Let's take a look at what's happened so far. Let's recap. First, we begin by paying attention to our attention. And when we meet the individual, immediately we're looking in one eye and maintaining eye contact and not allowing ourselves to be distracted. We're matching their voice. We're able to match the person's handshake. We sit down. We're matching the person's posture, all of which is allowing us to have greater access to presence. And then during the small talk portion of the dialogue, we're actually discerning the person's decision-making strategy, which ultimately will impact how we craft and deliver our presentation. As we now transition from the small talk into the business of the meeting, we reach another key inflection point in our one-on-one rapport and communication skills necessary to operate at your highest level. Now, essentially what most people do when it's time to go from the small talk into the business of the meeting is they typically fall prey to using some cheesy sportscaster version. So they'll say something like, you know, uh, speaking of the weather, I wonder whether or not you've ever considered any international investing. Well, you know, if you happen to pull that one off and it goes well that day, good for you. But all too often, it is risky, stressful, And when it doesn't go well, you have now dug a hole and you'll spend the entire meeting just getting out of the hole. I wouldn't do it. What we're after is how are we able to be. So as the small talk begins to wind down, what we do is we segue. And the segue that is the most valuable is the segue that is addressing time. That ideally, it doesn't matter how much time you think you have. Anything could have happened before you walked into the person's office. You need to check how much time they have to speak with you. You're literally going to say to the person, I just want to double check with you. Uh, How much more time do we have left to be able to discuss what I want to share with you? Some people argue that if you do that, the individual will give you less time. And that is often the case when the person's communication skills are horrible you will find that people do have the tendency to think in terms of what is the shortest amount of time they can give you and then get you out of their office, but they're also assuming that you're going to be doing all the talking, that you're going to be pitching them. If you're spending a fair amount of time listening, connecting, you will find that the person will expand the amount of time that they allot for you. Either way, strategically, it is bad strategy to launch into a conversation and have no idea about the boundaries of time. What could be worse with a financial advisor than overstaying your welcome? If you were to ask me what would be the greater sin, leaving too soon or staying too long, I can tell you which one will prevent them from wanting to see you again. After they give us an answer as to how much time they have, we're now going to move into a skill that we refer to as the agenda bridge. Now, often what people do in these situations is after the small talk and they go from, you know, I wonder whether or not you've taken a look at any international investment, where they go immediately into is, well, let me tell you about the asset class that we're engaged in, that we're focused, you know, according to the analysts, we believe the reality is they've just launched into their own agenda. What they're basically doing is making a presentation. You will see that most of the time that is how people begin the interaction and it's all about them. The problem is, is that the advisor has an agenda, whether they're conscious of it or not. 
they have an opinion, whether they've expressed it or not. And that candidly, they're not going to listen to anything that you have to say or your agenda if they have items or an agenda on their mind. That the single best thing for you to do in terms of how you open any conversation is to find out from the advisor what is their agenda, what is their opinion. The way that we do that is using a very simple process that, again, we refer to as the agenda bridge. You might say something like, you know, I wanted to discuss with you today ABC. But before I do, I'd like to know what your thoughts are or what your position is or where you're currently at on ABC. The key thing here is that strategically, by having the advisors share with us their point of view, their position, their thoughts, it allows us to customize our comments to their statements. When we jump into a dialogue without this protocol, we're effectively walking through a minefield blindfolded. If you happen to get out unscathed, God bless you. But that was luck. That had nothing to do with skill. If you actually adhere to the process just given, the very next thing that happens is that the advisor begins to talk, which means that you're now listening. And this is where we first begin to confront the complex dynamics of listening. And we come to understand that listening is a skill that very few people are actually really good at. What most people would do, even if they did allow the advisor to put forth their agenda or their opinion first, is they would be half listening, basically waiting for their turn to speak. Now, I'm going to say something to you that will allow you to have an insight into listening skills. And I want you to notice what happens inside of your mind. So I'm going to say something to you. And when I do, something will happen inside of your mind. Notice what happens inside of your mind. The cat landed on the floor. The cat landed on the floor. Okay, that was a simple sentence. By the way, what color cat did you see? Did you see black? Did you see gray? You know, some people actually see an orange cat like Garfield. By the way, what did the cat jump off of? Did you see a couch, a chair, or did it suddenly appear out of midair or did somebody throw the cat? Let me ask you, what did the cat land on? Yes, I know it was a floor, but what kind of floor? Was it hardwood? Was it tile? Was it carpet? Right? What kind of floor? The reality is when I say the cat landed on the floor, for me to make that statement, I have an exact image in my mind of a past experience that I've had. I see a black cat jumping off a white refrigerator onto a black and white tile floor. What are the odds of you getting the exact same image in your head as I have in mind when I make that statement? The answer is close to zero. This is the fundamental issue, which is that most of us think that as long as we're able to act like we're listening, when what we're really doing is waiting to uh, take our turn to speak, that as long as we generally hear what the person said, that that means that we got them, that we're listening. And nothing could be further from the truth. What you need to know is that it is highly unlikely and maybe even more importantly that when you're actually spending the time that they're talking, thinking about what you're going to say, the individual on some level can perceive this and that what they know is that when they're talking, you don't really care. In fact, on some level, this can be perceived by the other individual, by the advisor, as blatant disrespect. 
you will need to practice paying attention. I know, I know, some advisors are long-winded, and yeah, I got it, I got it, right? But you're a professional. This is what you do. I will continue to remind you of the need to direct your attention. And if an advisor is verbose, and if an advisor is excessively talkative, then it will represent a wonderful opportunity for you to practice directed attention because you will need to continually redirect your mind back to the conversation. The key thing is, while the other person is talking, you're listening. To show you how precise that listening needs to be, let me actually give you another illustration. I'm going to say a single sentence several different ways, but it will be the same words in the same sentence, and I'm willing to bet that each one will get a very different meaning across to you. I'm going to say the same sentence several different ways, and even though the words are the same, I'm willing to bet that the meaning will be different. Listen to this sentence and see what you think the meaning is, and see if you can hear the difference between the meanings. The sentence I'm going to use is the sentence, I didn't say he stole all the money. So listen to the first version. I didn't say he stole all the money. Next version. I didn't say he stole all the money. Each of those sentences, while the words are the same, have entirely different meanings. When you hear me say, I didn't say he stole all the money, you can infer that what I'm suggesting is, is that someone said that he stole the money, but it wasn't me. When I then go on to say, I didn't say he stole all the money, that leaves you with the possibility that it was communicated in some other way, but I just didn't say it. What about when I say the sentence, I didn't say he stole all the money. What you know is that money was stolen, just not all of it. How is it that you're able to discern the likely meaning of each sentence? The answer is to be found in the inflection of my voice, the inflection that a person places on their words. How in the world can we hear a person's inflection if we're barely listening and largely thinking about what we're going to say and presuming that because we heard a word or two, you know, I, I got what they're saying, and then we move on to what we want to say? Not good communication skills. In fact, this is the reason for the fundamental skill in listening that we refer to as replay, playback, summarization, those skills are really designed to address this phenomenon. We will spend more time with that skill as we get to the fine art of handling objections later on in the